This is the 89th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me are my dear co-hosts, Robert Sundsien and Christopher Wikström. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found whenever we release on the Subject app. In this episode, we will discuss some recent local game store play that is a bit of a blast from the past of unfair shenanigans. Blue Red Show and Tell, dear listeners, that has been a while indeed. Incidentally, featured on our very first Basic Land Connoisseur panel way back in episode 5, if mm-hmm. you want to mm-hmm. check out the, the backlog. F- <laughs> the throwback. Yeah. yeah. So, Robin, you are the hero that piloted this monstrosity at our local games store last week. Pray tell what happened. I was feeling in the mood of playing something else. I watched the Bosch and Roll episode when he played through Show and Tell deck, which also featured the new creature that copies the top of your library when it attacks. It's a shapeshifter that recently been uh, introduced into the game. I was not able to get the hands of that creature, and I think it might be a little bit clunky to play four more three drops in this deck. But I managed to borrow Atraxas from the nice people of the local game store. One here, one there, and a third one from a third person. And also uh, a few Brotherhood's Ends for the cyborg. It was sort of a blast from the past, but instead of playing like four Grizzlebrands and three Emrakuls, I was on a 3-3-3 split with all the monsters. Yeah, it made a big difference to be able to, to sneak in a second threat that can also dig for your emrakul of course a, a little bit more action packed list with two more of the b combo side i guess otherwise it was just the uh, old standards you know no omniscience in the main board they were in the sideboard how is that why is that well it's a little bit of a nombo with sneak attack i think either you go four and four with show and tell and sneak attack and not really into the omniscience plan or you go down on sneak attack and up the omniscience in the in the main board and like go for a more secure emrakul hard cost line but i was more on the like just sneak in several threats and just kill them with it <laughs> sure sure yeah it's it's so rare that a sneak attack turn doesn't kill <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason the deck is called Sneak and Show, because the Sneak is the best card in the deck. Like, the Show and Tell is your, is your plan B, because it's so <laughs> dangerous to play. Especially these days, when everyone else also wants to play Atraxa. Right. Alright, so this is what I brought, and on my first game I was matched up against one of the local control players. He's been brewing with all our favorite storyteller, and he was on a saga list in collaboration with Trukis as far as I have understood. And in game one we have this game where I try to combo and he forces me. And then I try to combo a little bit later, and he forces me again. And on the third trial, it works. And in the second game, there's some pretty interesting line where I have a petal to sort of pay for days, which he is not playing, of course, uh, in such a list. But I have like three mana plus a petal that is available. And I have both a show and tell and a sneak in my hand. And instead of playing the sneak with a petal or using all four mana, I, I opt to go for the the show and tell to keep the petal around and he has a a spell pierce 
and I cannot pay for that one. Ooh. And in the next turn, I have a land drop, so I can pay, play the sneak and again have the petal up. And he has another spell pierce. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so oh, I'm, I'm sort rough. of uh, punished for not just playing, like being more mana inf- efficient, because maybe I should have waited a little bit as well for more protection. I mean, spell pierce also really blast from the past right there. Yeah, it's, it's back in force, Two copies. I think. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if you have two copies in your hand, how many can be in your deck? <laughs> I <laughs> don't want to know. Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is that I had spell pierce in my hand as well. I, I played three spell pierces in this deck, and I think that is at least one too many. Because you are the one that is trying to tap out, right, with your haymaker <laughs> spells. And he he was, like, keeping open mana, so I could never pierce back on his pierce. While his pierce was super good, so that that is not going to stick around, I think. No, in, in the control matchup, I think pierce gets a bit lackluster. Yeah, I mean, I, I rather... Post-board, I rather have... A red elemental blast or even blue elemental blast so just hard counter his hard counter so to say yeah but in the game one iteration i think that maybe i should play misdirections or daisies or something like that that is free spells yeah but i think the the beauty of playing spell pierces in a deck like this is uh, with the ancient tombs and uh, all of your like combo spells only requiring one colored mana i think spell pierce is just so strong in those scenarios yeah and it's also nice to to counter an r set or something like that on the first game because if if you play something a little bit more narrow like a fluster storm or a minor misstep something like that they are better at countering specifically counter magic i guess but they are pretty bad at everything else. <laughs> and sometimes you need to count like a Teferi or an Arset because you you plan to draw seven with Grizzlebrand. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, anyway, final game. He has a deafening silence and Tarmogoyf and beating down on me. He boarded in Tarmogoyf to have a little bit of a faster clock, I think. And I have three Volcanic and a Tomb in play. And I tap my three Volcanics, uh, leaving up the Tomb to sp- play for pay for a spell pierce and I show intel and I put in grizzle brand and uh, pass the turn to him he untaps and play teferi Ooh. and I have no uh, colored mana up I draw seven looking for a force don't find it that can't be right <laughs> with the goy <laughs> <laughs> exactly but I mean if if I don't force it he just bounces my, yeah, my grizzle brand it's right? pretty much you know damned if you do Maybe tapping the, the tomb was right. <laughs> I should have tapped the tomb, yes. Because I draw another 7. I haven't taken much damage, so I have life for this. But I draw another 7. And I don't find a force of will there either. So 14 cards, no force. I get a reb, but it doesn't help because I don't have the mana. And, well, he plays the Teferi, bounces my Grizzlebrand and kills me with the Goyf. And then, like, what my hand was from the first 7, what I could have done was just draw 7... And in the next turn, I had a little sneak attack. But the thing is that he had a blue blast, which I didn't know, of course. But if I could make a read that my show and tell was uncountered, but maybe he had a blue blast for a a sneak, I could have played show and tell and put in the sneak and sneaked in an Emrakul. That would have been like the only winning line. Yeah, then you get that uh, one really nice activation. I I could get two because, you know... Oh, yeah, yeah, just hold priority. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you can just activate, he 
he he blasts and I activate again. So I, I would get lethal there, but it's such a convoluted string of play to play, and I would never have like taken that intuitively. <laughs> but that would have been the only way for me to win that game. That was quite interesting. Or just tapping the right lands would have also been a way to win that game. <laughs> there are different paths, you know, some of them are a bit more, you know, junior, some are a bit more galaxy brainy. Yeah, let's call them adventurous. Some are a bit more adventurous for the thrill seekers <laughs> out there. Yeah, and the funny thing is I played only one of the spirit guides. Uh, I think I might go up to two because it's really nice with both uh, Emrak, no, both Gristlebrand and to a lesser extent Atraxa. To grab the spirit and guide. red elemental blast that could have saved you there as well exactly just... super good with the elemental blast so now you're saying this time does mean, <laughs> mean that you're gonna sort of come back with this deck of course it was super fun to play oh man <laughs> oh what happened what happened in round two if it gets, if it gets funner than this okay so in round two i was up against mono red prison which is a deck that is always terrifying to play against. And it's not, a, of course, a prison deck. It's a, it's a stompy deck, but it's mono-red. I go turn one land, and he plays land and chalice. I think it's from a city, if I remember correctly. I brainstorm in response and let it go because it doesn't really matter. Turn two, I play my land, and he plays another city and then a Karn. And I have a force, but I don't have a blue card to pitch with it. Well, I do have a blue card, but I don't want to pitch it. <laughs> smells like, mm. smells so like in, lethal. <laughs> in turn three, I play show and tell, put in Emrakul. And on his turn, he fetches a bridge. But at, from, at that point, I have drawn a blue card to, to force the wheel the bridge. Skills to pay the bills. Yes, and then Emrakul does the job. Yeah, that's rough. Always get your lattice down, kids. Then they can't force a will, pitch a blue card. That's the strat. And then in the second game, we sort of mull both to five, I think. That's going to be good for you. And I have a turn two. Turn two, Emrakul. <laughs> so rough, man. <laughs> and he has <laughs> he has boarded in the red bounce spell, which unfortunately is an instant that cannot target Emrakul. Oh, yeah. Oh, it does get funner. Is that the, the dead gone? Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Show and tell is great against uh, some of these stompy decks because, like, you can live through a chalice and you have force of will for some of their, like, countermeasures. Yeah, yeah, me and reanimator is definitely... That's definitely more scary for me. Mm. Yeah, because of the ley lines post-board, I guess. Also. Yeah. But, I mean, chalice specifically is... Um, yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I do play cantrips as well, but, like, there are... It doesn't eight, sound like you need a, them. Yeah, it's like eight A side of the combo and nine B side of the combo. You're pretty good. Odds of just drawing them. Okay, so in the third match, I was up against elves! Exclamation mark. Wow, this is really like 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it still horrendous for them? Yeah, I mean, I think it has been improved because of uh, Alosaurus Shepherd, because your counter magic is not as potent as it used to be. Mm. Because then you were just like the combo deck with also Force of Will for their combo, and they were just a combo deck with no way to interact yeah. at all. And the sideboard pyroclasms. Don't forget about the sideboard pyroclasms. That's like... The worst right. feeling. And I was actually I was actually playing three Brotherhoods End <laughs> because it, it, it fills both like the, the anti-artifact and the anti-creatures Ooh. spot. Such Hard a good to card. Yep. for you right now, Robin. <laughs> I know, I know. Anyway, in game one, I'm a little bit faster than him. Just a little bit. A little bit faster than him. 
and Emrakul cleans the board. <laughs> in game two, I keep a cage and I play it. And then I play show and tell. And he puts in his Rex Sage of the show and tell and kills the, the cage. Hmm. And maybe he thinks that I'm going to put in Omniscience. I'm not sure. I put in Emrakul. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but like with the cage destroyed, he actually can win on his turn. <laughs> because oh, I have to pass hmm. the turn. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the drawback of Emrakul. Like the upside is very high. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but passing the turn can be really frightening. And then in game three, I have this hateful hand. I have cage... I have Blood Moon and I have Brotherhood's End. <laughs> it's not here to make Stop friends. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, so that was funny. You won that game. I appreciate Yeah, I don't really remember what actually <laughs> <laughs> did the final blow, but uh, the no hit cards were all there. notes. <laughs> That's how it was. Then in the final round, I'm up against Delver, Rug Delver. Hmm. Also a blast from the past. <laughs> Indeed. Super nostalgia, legacy dad evening for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very interesting game one. At some point I play show and tell. I think maybe he counters and I counters back. And then I put in, no, and then he says resolves. And I have a Emrakul and I have a sneak attack in hand. And I have an open mana. And I go for the sneak attack. So I put in sneak attack, activate it with my open mana. Put in the Emrakul and clears his entire board. But from there on, I have a sneak attack, lands, but I am hellbent. And uh, passes the turn, and he's on like two or something. And he starts rebuilding. <laughs> and plays like a <laughs> channeler that uh, digs a uh, hell of a digger. And uh, also gets uh, flipped pretty fast, uh, or enraged, or whatever you call it. And he actually wins before I get to draw more action. Oh, wow. Because all my cantrips only see lands. <laughs> Which is really funny. So uh, it was the wrong decision. He doesn't have anything that deals with an Emrakul. Because his mm. only bounce is a Brazen Borrower. And it's an instant when you adventure it. So can't target the Emrakul. So that was a big mistake. Then in game two, I get to slow roll it a little bit. I have a lot of lands. So I can play around, day, spell, pierce, anything like that. He even stifles me, or some of the lands. But I have like plentitude of land so it doesn't really matter and I get to resolve and possibly kill I get to resolve show and tell eventually and uh, kill him and then on the final game he's on the play he plays a land ponder and my keep is this city petal reb show and tell atraxa force of will ponder and I draw another petal oh <laughs> I play city petal and show and tell he forces I forces back and he says you got it <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's my evening with show and tell. We have heard from some local game store play connected to our local game store as in many cities are a running scheduled league going on and now after a bit of a hiatus the finals from the previous league are coming up quite soon so we're gonna do a bit of guesstimation of the meta game because Robin you will be playing in this tournament is that correct? Oh yes, I will be competing. Luckily, 
because this league finals has been delayed a lot and it was announced just a few days ago and luckily I was booked for another magic event uh, <laughs> in Eskilstuna on the same day so oh, it was wow. easy to just uh, unbook that and like tune in to the finals all right cool so we have a um we're not going to name names here because that would be a bit sort of um, destroy all of the fun. But the decks that we expect sort of this, and this is very guesstimated off of what people usually bring. But since it's about 16 people qualifying or playing, we are sort of, we can do this exercise. And right. So I'm just going to run down quickly the list of decks that you could expect to face here, which would be Esper, sort of a, either a stone blade or a controlly version. Yeah, it could be a mentor list as well with Cabal yeah, Therapies. Could, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some Blue Delver, Jund, Painter, Jeskai, Initiative, Band Natural Order, more Delver, more Painter, Copy of Reanimator, Monored, Jokelhaupt's um, Shenanigans. The best deck. Lands, Jeskai Replenishment, Alluren, and Jeskai Undoing. That's sort of the, the rough sketch. Uh, so I would say this is a pretty broad metagame, but not too combo-y, hey? Yeah, I think... Uh, so this this prediction list, I think Robin whipped it up before going on air. Yes. I definitely think that there will be more cephalid breakfast mm-hmm. than you think. I think maybe one to two pilots out of the 16. All right. I agree, I agree. And I also believe uh, one of the Esper players... I believe probably will play Reanimator. That can happen. And also one of the Delver player is actually a Storm player. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll see about that, but it's it's a really like a lot of these people there are some that has their pet decks uh, that you can, you know, expect. And we didn't mention a read an estimation that maybe one player will play Naya or Eight Cast, right. which is worth <laughs> mentioning. <laughs> right, right. There's, there's one player missing from this list, <laughs> and that's me. Yes, uh, someone trying to hide a bit of information. <laughs> but I definitely think this is a pretty good metaphor. Both of those decks. Mm. Yes. It's hard to tell which is better, but there's a lot of chalice weak decks in this rooster and there's not too much swords to plowshares either in the initial but at the same time there's a lot of fast decks yeah like if if i would play naya i would be a little bit scared of possible one of the storm if like someone brings a storm that's pretty rough because you only can rely on your two deafening silences in the board that's basically it it's also a little bit terrifying with the red decks both the painter and the mono red because i have lost to magus a lot of times i guess you can sort of sideboard for that with a braid or something like that which is a great card against the blood moons magus i should say but i also i haven't played so much against the storyteller decks so i think that i'm a little bit scared of the the control decks now because they have so much card draw, mm, and I yeah. think that I I I've been able to keep go toe to toe with them with the libraries and uh, protection for my creatures and uh, Minsk and Boo of course, but I I'm afraid that now they will outdraw me and I will just like end up in miserable state with no board and just many lands or something like that. Yeah, if I were to choose between what you usually bring, eight cost seems funner against this meta this guesstimation meta yeah and it's also a great tournament deck because you get a lot of time between rounds yes yeah. I mean, how, how many how many copies of dedicated hate towards eight cost would you see here i don't think too many right i mean firstly because the actual players would not expect 
more than one or perhaps at the tops two eight cost decks to show up so it's sort of for this specific tournament bringing the hate against eight cost probably isn't wise then again if you face eight cost without you know proper hate yeah there's there's a lot of splash damage there i think because uh, on the rooster we have two predicted painter players so the meltdowns or brotherhoods end will probably show up just to beat delver um, so that's always scary. And then, like I mentioned, uh, I've seen a lot more Jeskai lists put cards like Brotherhood's End in the sideboard just as a you know pseudo-sweeper artifact fix. Mm. And right now, 8th cast is the best-performing deck in Legacy. So I, I do believe that some people, if they're net-decking a bit more than they are preparing for this meta, will probably have more hate than our meta has prepared them for mm. which is always scary yeah that's pretty on point and like you you almost need to be lucky with eight cost that <laughs> <laughs> there's a little bit less hate than you expect but i mean i could also try to prepare in the sideboard for some of these things like if you expect to be a little bit more clunky decks i have been known to play winter orbs for example <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah this is true it doesn't beat beat i mean it, it does actually beat sort of meltdown because they can't both pyroblast and ending your chalice and meltdown they they have to decide something and then your forces are much better when they can't just hold up a, a red blast and encounter your force so it's a bit rough on the stuff decks as well isn't it because they want to be utilizing their mana yeah. i mean during the full cycle of their and your turn yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they are uh, using I mean, a lot did, of mana of course yeah they want to cast things all the time and tap things winter orb might be might be good there yeah and, and if they play like super clunky cards like wandering emperors or shark mm-hmm. typhoons to trigger uh, the staffs <laughs> That's good for 8 cost. Or just staff in of itself. <laughs> <laughs> like it's free mana, get a 1-1, one, one, draw 1. Yeah. <laughs> Untap 1 land. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, they can't keep up. Like if, if you expect staff decks, uh, like Winter Orb is going to crush them. Mm. I've played uh, some staff the last weeks and any Winter Orb from almost any opponent would have crushed me. So yeah, you want to play the draw go and you know make some big splashy plays but if they sneak in one winter orb that's one splashy play has to be really good Mm. you know prismatic ending does change things a bit but you can you have counter magic too yeah cool thanks for the advice guys yeah no it's probably going to be nice we will be reporting back from that of course and the weekend after as earlier advertised we will have the European Legacy Masters qualifier on 11th June at Alpha Spell. Don't miss out. And that is all we have for this episode. Slightly shorter one, but no worries. We shall be back with more lovely Paper Legacy content soon. What do you think about people who bring show and tell to your local weekly? <laughs> Where are you? Were you supposed to have fun? <laughs> Let us know in our Discord. Bring the hate. There is a link in the episode description. And in addition to the Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter at STHLM Legacy. We are also present personally 
on social media. Robin, where can our listeners get show and tell war stories from you? You can find me on Twitter. I am uh, underscore, no, I am Jacka underscore bull. <laughs> yeah, never. Oh man, this this whole Twitter business is uh, is hard. <laughs> but yeah, you can f- you can find me on Twitter at the Monolith MTG. And I'm at Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 89th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Sen, and thank you Christopher Wikström. I am Victor Bernhardt's. Special thanks to you listener for sticking out to, to the end here. The Great Furnace has as always written our music. You can find more of their work on Spotify and until our next episode remember to hide from dangerous ultraviolet radiation. It's the season. Remember that our people, we stay indoors. We have keyboards. We have darkness.